0: Uh, Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. Um, I'm here with a very special guest, former Chicago Tribune writer, uh, a great legend in the writing business, Ed Sherman. Ed, it's an honor. Well, Matt, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, You're a legend. I I respect your work. I don't know about that, but if you want to... Right. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, when did you first discover your passion for writing sports? I followed your career with the Tribune, and you wrote two uh, great books, Babe Calls the Shot, and This is Big, the story of the Big Ten. When did you first discover your passion for writing about sports?
1: You know, I think you can probably say I was kind of very early on. I was kind of, you know, it was something, you know, where people kind of discover what they want. You hear the stories. I mean, I literally learned how to read when I was six years old by reading the box scores of the paper. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think from then it just kind of grew from there. I can remember when I was in like third grade, we had like one of those classroom papers and I and I did the sports page. And so it was just something I always knew I was going to do and, uh, and just kind of followed my dream from there and it, and it worked out. I mean, literally at a very
0: early age. That, that's amazing. It's great to discover your passion, what you've looked for. I When I was a little kid, I would just look up, um, sport, I would read the sports newspaper back then when social media was still emerging. So I, I can relate to you on that front. Uh, yeah,
1: back in the days when newspapers were newspapers, you know, that's, that's where you got your news. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I devoured the newspapers. And then when I was a kid, probably 12, 13, I probably had a minimum of 10 sports magazine subscriptions. You know, wow. know, just couldn't get enough. I started keeping a journal of you know,
0: writing columns when I was in high school, and it just kind of evolved from there. You attended uh, my um, alma mater, University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, go Illini. Um, what was it like for you working for the daily Illini in your era versus um, how the reporting is now? And um, how has the technology changed your writing or reporting style uh, today? Well, you know, first off about the Daily Line,
1: I, I have to say one place that really impacted me the most and changed my life was working at the Daily Line. I, I went in there on my first, literally my first day down in Champaign because I wanted to get in. I knew from high school where I kind of started a little late on the paper and didn't have the seniority when I became a senior um, to get the good beats. I knew that I had to start literally from the ground floor. And I literally went in there the first day Said I want to do this, and I literally started out covering air murals you know, ZBT playing Sammys, you know, those kind of games, and, and kind of grew from there. And um, and and back when we were doing it, <clears throat> the Daily Line I was, I mean, I would say compared to major sports sections today, we had more space, we had more bylines. I mean, that's what at times the Daily Line was a five-day-a-week paper it went out to. 15,000 students. The students actually got the paper. Um, you know, we had sometimes seven, eight pages a day of sports. We traveled to all the Illinois, most of the Illinois football and basketball games, I'd say probably 80%. So when I was a junior and, and again, I had that seniority built up, you know, I was going to cover Illinois football and basketball. And if, if I wasn't going, we had someone else who was going from the paper. So those were great experiences. And through that I was able to um, to meet uh, people at the bigger papers and I had pretty good built a pretty good resume of stories and clips and uh, you know that landed me a job at the Tribune right out of school so when you say comparing the daily line I now to what you know what it exists I don't even know if there's a paper right now I think it might be just an online experience totally different I know those those students there's no way they could have had the experience that we had where not only were right. we Covering all that stuff, but we were also laying out the papers, editing the papers, designing pages, and actually seeing the type put on. You know, you know, preparing the type to go to the press. You know, to be out of the building at Alumni Hall at midnight. So it was just a great experience. I think my junior year, I probably was working 50, 60 hours a week. Wow. You know, three, four nights a week, and and it was also along with being a great professional place it was like our fraternity I didn't join a fraternity and, me, and I'm lucky I did because I went to be able to spend so much time where we I have lifelong friends there we were you know it was just a great time we had a great newsroom There was a lot of activity and it really laid the foundation for what I was able to do
0: for the next 40 years Wow, that that's incredible. Uh, the Daily Line, I I worked uh, there myself, uh, doing weekly broad we, weekly podcasts on recapping wrestling, the football team, um, and some other uh, sports like tennis and and golf. So I I uh, I loved doing the Daily Line. I uh, for my time there, it was yeah, a great experience.
1: I, I think if you even go back and look at back, I mean, you'd be amazed to see how much we did, how much we covered, how big the papers were. You know, compared to like even. The Tribune sports section today, I mean, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was pretty amazing what what the resources we had and what we were able to do.
0: I completely agree. Um, so I understand you're a huge golf fan and you've covered golf throughout a majority of your career. When did you first discover your passion for reporting and researching about golf? Well, I mean, I played, played golf since I was a
1: kid, I followed golf, It kind of evolved into late 90s when I had been editing Insight as an editor, associate editor of the Tribune which I really loved but the schedule was very difficult because it was mostly nights and weekends and I had um, two young kids at home and and it was very difficult to kind of spend time and see them so I knew I kind of wanted to do something else and the golf beat was made available and um, so it was kind of that's how it kind of evolved and it was a great my timing couldn't have been better because my first tournament was the 1997 Masters, which was Tiger Woods' famous victory and really launched the Tiger Woods era for golf and you know unprecedented era maybe all time for golf. Um, I don't even know if there's anything comparable. Nicholas had a great run, but he didn't have that kind of hold on the on the on the imagination of the. Um, of the of the sports whole, entire sports community, not just not just golf. It was just the entire uh, everyone involved in um, every, everyone who loved, loved sports wanted to watch Tiger. I mean, you could see that just the ratings were so much bigger when he was in contention. So my timing was great there, and I covered golf at the Tribune through two thousand eight. So I saw his first fourteen majors. I kind of joked when I left; it took him another ten years or eleven years. <laughs> some unbelievable things that happened to him. It was unfortunate. But in my mind, I think, you know, even though Nicholas has the great, you know, has more majors, uh, I think Tiger was the greatest, greatest ever. And um, you know, as far as being, just because of the way he dominated, he didn't just win, he dominated. And then the way he did, <clears throat> when he didn't dominate, the way he always came through in the clutch, very much like Michael Jordan. It's very rarely
0: can you remember him ever missing. Tiger, Tiger, I think, is the goat of uh, golf, I think. And the fact he had a great bounce back from last year, um, and even though he was struggling, he still um, was able to persevere despite hitting those water shots yesterday. I mean,
1: that was amazing. You know, you, you, he makes a 10 on a hole, which was kind of unbelievable in itself that he couldn't get, you know, the second shot out of the green from, you know. <clears throat> and then the third shot, he hit, I mean, he couldn't even hit a chip shot. That's so screwed up he was with the wind. And and then he makes birdies in five of his last six holes. And he makes a 10 and still finishes the back nine with a 39. I mean, that just shows you the kind of heart that he has and still, and still the kind of golf he's capable of playing, even though I, I think it's going to be very um, – I don't think he's – it's just going to be hard for him to replicate it because I just don't think he's playing enough. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I learned from – Last year, to never doubt Tiger, so I'm not going to doubt him even when he's 55 and hardly playing, because he's the best there ever was. That's for sure.
0: Uh, have you ever had a hole in one uh, yourself? No,
1: still waiting. Still waiting. Right. I'm going to say it every time I go up and play.
0: Most times, I said this will be the f- this will be a great time for my first hole in one. <laughs> Eventually, uh, you'll get there. Yeah, um, I hope so. I hope. Right. Um, you wrote the books. Uh, Babe calls the shots, and this is big—the story of the Big Ten. Uh, what I've recognized about uh your writing style—it's almost like you're a, a big scuba diving with investigative reporting. Um, would you say that's a fair characterization of your writing approach to these books? Well, when you're starting a big book, and it—you
1: know—it's very daunting. It really is kind of like okay, when you, especially when you write that first chapter, that first word. You're kind of like, okay, time to ready to go, time to dive in. (laughs) Or when you're trying to do the research, you know, the first, okay, the first phone call, the first article you look up, you know you've got a long way to go, maybe as much as with the Big Ten book, probably a good year and a half of of work on that. And so it was, um, you know, it's a long journey. And so you do have to kind of be like a scuba diver. You're just kind of diving in. And you start exploring, and you kind of see what you do, and then you go back the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And, next day. and it's a process; it's a long process, but it, you know, it's very rewarding. You know, when it comes out, and and, and I think the thing that, especially that I wanted to, <clears throat> with the books, um, especially with the Big Ten book, I and mean, even the even the Big Babe Ruth book. You know, when you have these, especially now with the internet, you write an article and it's gone. There's nothing you can hold in your hand. Even I have newspapers that i have been going through. And those are great, but you're not going to display a newspaper article for the most part, you know. But a book kind of is tangible. You can hold it. You can display it on the co- my Big Ten book. You can display it on the coffee table, or at least in a in a bookshelf. And it's going to be there not only for today, but you know, it's going to be there hopefully for generations to come. If my you know my kids pass it down to their kids, and people maybe will look. You know, someone wants to do research in the Big Ten in 2050, <laughs> and my book's going to be there the same way the books that preceding me were there when i went to look for it so it's kind of a neat thing and that's I really that was one of the main goals especially with the big 10 book was to have just something tangible something
0: to hold how did you approach each uh writing interview and do you look for a controversial or creative approach um to a topic or a subject um and how do you think outside the box
1: That path, find if it's you're just you're, you're looking for good stories. You're looking to tell stories, and I think people above anything, everything else. When I teach journalism, you know, whatever you're covering, you got to tell a story. You got to find something interesting. It can't just be numbers. And people like to read about people, and I think if you find people interesting, and you try to dig down and, and find what makes them tick or what made them so great, oftentimes you find these great stories. And if you know, I'm that kind of guy who goes looking for controversy. And obviously, I found it in the course of telling a great story. You know, so I try to look for, you know, whatever you do, and I've said this to my journalism classes, you really have to try to write about people. And that's why I said, you don't necessarily have to be an expert in golf to write about golf. It helps, obviously, to know golf. But you could have written Dustin Johnson without really knowing golf yesterday. You know, in the right. past year knowing how he kind of grew up in the South. He grew up in South Carolina. That you, know, you have to know the basic details of someone's life. But, you know, this guy grew up an hour away from Augusta, A, and he's always been kind of this guy who's kind of come up short when he's had the lead in majors um, so many times. And then you could just see the emotion that he had afterwards. This guy was very stoic and doesn't show any emotion on the golf course. I mean, you know, it's a great story whether or not you knew golf or not. So I kind of approach it from that aspect try to write the story about people and and stay away you know obviously the facts are interesting you want to get them in there but people are more interesting
0: right i I view it with the athlete you could put up uh, a saying that i've been that someone's taught me was people can put up great stats and great numbers but it's about the personalities that makes you remember the person for who they are you
1: know there are some things that right you know i think now that that they're interesting and if you like that i mean i'm a big baseball fan and I've enjoyed some reading some of the, the new stats and, and or some of the analysis. Um, so that you know, it is going in that direction too, where you, the information, having this information, and being able to explain is important. Um, but for the most part, it still is with the in the context of
0: people being people. So, based off of my research and based off of your book, I personally feel like the. NFL Hall of Fame instead of Canton, Ohio, should be in Champaign, Illinois, because of the legends such as Red Grange, Dick Butkus, Ray Nitschke, who found success in the NFL at different positions. There's also been a lot of success with the great Red Grange. Despite the fact that Canton is the birthplace, residents of Canton, Ohio are the main reason why the Pro Football Hall of Fame exists, the Canton Bulldogs. Um Personally, in your opinion, um, non-biased, because he went to my alma mater, University... Well, of- I,
1: think, I, think, I think it obviously should still be at Canton because that's where the NFL was founded. And actually, <laughs> Red Grange did his work in Chicago with the NFL, not, not in Illinois. He laid the foundation for who he was in Illinois. But you know, as far as his impact on the NFL, it was in Chicago. But there's no doubt that Red, Red Grange was a transformative figure in, in football, not just not just the NFL, but college football. He was the first big college superstar who transcended the, the game. You know, there were other great college stars. But in the 20s, he was as big a star as uh, as Babe Ruth or Jack Dempsey or some of these other uh, great stars of that era. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's great that Illinois can claim – I mean, I think when they had what they they did something last year, the greatest players of all time, Illinois had two players on that list. They had Red Grains and Dick Butkus out of, what, 10 guys or 11 guys? I mean, it says something for Illinois, you know, obviously since Illinois is not known for great football, that we've got arguably the greatest offensive player of all time in college sports. I mean, you know, obviously people, you don't compare today's era. Right. You compare it to the... What, how he did during that area and what he dominated, and the fact that he scored four touchdowns in one quarter against a team that had only given up something like 12 points the previous year and a half, that's amazing. And, and Dick Butkus um, was a runner-up for a Heisman Trophy in um, and, and Illinois to those great Rose Bowl teams in 1963 and became arguably the greatest defensive player of all time, certainly in the, in, the, in, the, in the group photo, so... uh, it's kind of neat that Illinois could claim those two people. And you mentioned Ray Nitschke, who was a great—the bedrock of those great defenses um, for the Green Bay Packers during their glory years.
0: Yeah, when you say, like, comparing uh, players from different eras, and when people ask me who the greatest is um, in any sport, whether it's NBA or the NFL, it really just depends on the eras, I would say, and I I could relate to you on that part.
1: Well, you know, I think because sports— you know. Athletes evolve, you know, and the human bodies become, you know, is much more efficient, much, uh, you know, faster, bigger, stronger. No question, you know. So I think the way you really judge an athlete is kind of how much did they dominate during that era, you know. I mean, obviously, if you put LeBron James on the basketball court with the guys in the '50s, I mean, it would, you know, you can't compare it, you know. Obviously because they didn't have that physical conditioning in the the way, um, you know, in the way that that they do today. You know, he would score, you know, 80 points. But you look at a guy like Will Chamberlain, you know, who was this, you know, freak of nature back then, and truly had one year where he averaged 50 points a game. Think about that, averaged 50 points a game. Um, But you have to really dominate the – look at how they dominated the eras, and
0: um, that's what I kind of go by. What was it like covering the Chicago Tribune, and what were some of your favorite memories working for the newspaper? And what is your take on the current digital newspaper experience?
1: Um, You know, so I was there 27 years from 1981 to 2007. You know, so I got to see a lot of great things, a lot of great history in Chicago sports. Easily, my number one memory was uh, being one of the beat writers for the Bears in 1985. Uh, my first pro beat I, I've been covering high school the high school badminton tournament that the May before and they wanted to add an extra person on the on the beat and so I was able to do it uh, they, they picked me I was young 25 years old and you know talk about timing I mean to get there and literally start from the first day of training camp to be there through the Super Bowl it was just an amazing amazing experience almost surreal that I got to be a part of that and the greatest sports team of all time in Chicago and the way they captivated you know I for people who weren't there now you're talking what 35 years since it happened I mean just to, the the hold and the grip that they had on Chicago I know a lot of people remember the Bulls obviously Bulls you're too young for the Bulls too but the Bears that that Bears team was just amazing and they were rock stars and uh it was and it was just an unbelievable run that they had and unfortunately it didn't last more right. than a year, but that was just a great year in my life. And, I, you know, I, I was able to be part of the, my, the coverage of the first three championships for the Bulls. <clears throat> that was fun. And, and covering Tiger Woods was great. Um, I covered college football for six years, and so I saw a, Notre, a national championship for Notre Dame in my first year. I kind of was always very lucky that immediately when I took over something, that something huge happened that hadn't happened in years, you know, like the Bears or um, – the um, Notre Dame, my first year covering college football, Notre Dame wins the national championship, and I said Tiger Woods, you know, he becomes, you know, literally my first tournament, and he becomes this great um, legendary player that I got to be on the ground floor to see that happen.
0: Uh, it's great that you're the, you're based off of your experiences. You're always at the right place at the right time, and uh, that's amazing. You're very fortunate enough to be in those positions and to cover yeah. those great teams. Yeah,
1: and, I, and I was very lucky. And then you say, you know, how it changed? I mean, it's completely changed. You know, the Tribune hardly has any people left anymore. I mean, they don't. They, someone leaves, they don't really re- replace them. I've got some friends who still work there, but not many. Um, you know, the, the, newspapers are 70% down in people since I left in 2008. You think about that 70% reduction in staff. I mean, it's not the same. You don't go to, you know, <clears throat> through probably the beginning of 2000, you know, it's still newspapers were still the place you kind of went to for, you know, a deeper analysis beyond television. You know, this was before the internet really became big and, you know, and I remember I had a friend at ESPN who was covering golf, and and, and, and when we covered golf, to get inside the ropes, we had a a badge that we wore, actually a sticker that showed, (laughs) and he couldn't get that inside the ropes sticker because they didn't take ESPN.com seriously as an outlet. You know, still the newspapers. Now, I would doubt that there may be one or two newspapers covered the Masters this last weekend outside of the local papers. Whereas when I was there every newspaper in the country covered and usually not just every newspaper, we had a columnist there every year that I was there. It was that big and, and you don't see that anymore. So it's changed. Things changed. Um, and for the better, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, uh, definitely it's, you know, the access to information is much easier. I don't have to wait till tomorrow to read a story about Dustin Johnson winning the masters. I don't have to wait till tomorrow for the latest news on the White Sox. I can get it immediately, so that kind of really, um, that, that, that immediacy I think is great. I do think you kind of, just those, by not having that sure volume of coverage, there is something that is lost
0: it's a huge loss. My final question is, um, obviously, with the pandemic hit and obviously a lack of jobs, obviously, not a lot of people in the sports industry are hiring. But in the meantime, what advice would you give to any aspiring sports journalists during this hectic time? You know, I think you just kind
1: of have to hang in there. I don't know. I don't have great advice because I, you know, I wish I had an easy answer, but, you know, I think you really just kind of keep kind of grinding and try to you know keep working like doing what you're doing you know stay vital even if you're not even if you're not working for an outlet to try to get that you know to keep improving I mean I think do think journalism is something that you that you learn by doing as opposed to maybe somewhat of going to school obviously going to school definitely helps but you learn by doing and so so I think that that's um you know, so I think what you're doing is great, and that, that would be my advice, but it's hard, you know. I mean, I don't, I think I'd be, I have to be honest, if someone said they were going into journalism, I would say, are you, are you sure about that? Is that? you sure you want to do that? Just because of the, the, downs, the downsizing. And you have to kind of, you know, while I say you write about people, I think you also see that the jobs are going to people who are able to become experts in various sports, you know, to get that information. Um, so if they, if you have a passion for hockey or if you have a passion for baseball, really develop that and kind of, you know, and tell yourself as that baseball guy or that hockey guy, but it, it's hard. I mean, it's, just, there's not an
0: easy answer right now. Um, well this, you gave great advice, um, for any aspiring journalists, um, Ed Sherman, thank you so much for, do, for um, agreeing to do this interview. I really appreciated your experiences on the Chicago Tribune, the Daily Illini. Um, you, uh, I know you say you don't know if you're a legend. I think you're a legend in all the journalist's field. Uh, thank you so much um, for agreeing to do this interview. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you all for listening to another edition of the Off the Dump podcast. Um, I'll see you next time. Go get them.